Hi there, uh, podcast listeners. This is Jim. And Ralph. And we and welcome you to a continuation of our creativity. Yeah, and uh, we're going to talk today about uh, future problem solving. That is to say, solving the problems of the future in uh, real time in today's world. Wow, that sounds like... Uh, Quite a uh, uh, quite a thing to attempt, Ralph. Well, are you going to walk us through this? Well, what I'm going to say, Jim, is that most experts, um, most people who have looked at the current world and said, "What are the problems that are besetting us?" have come up mm-hmm. with a big five, and the big, big five, five are pollution, global warming environmental degradation, population growth, and artificial intelligence replacing humans in work. Okay, so unpack those again. I got artificial intelligence um, replacing humans. I got pollution. I got uh, uh, environmental degradation. I'm missing two of them now. Global warming. Global warming, okay, yeah. And? And population growth. And, you know, the fact that the United States, uh, where we're located, is growing relatively slowly uh, tends to mislead us because there are areas of the world where population growth is is still an issue. Uh, China, India, um, uh, even parts of Russia are growing uh, quite rapidly. Okay, so more people on the planet. And then, yeah, I can see some of the potential problems here, like how do you how do you divide up resources? And in fact, there was a future problem-solving book a number of years ago that uh, talked about that, about you know how even with um, population, um, we could uh, um, do new new things or new new ways of doing things without uh, sacrificing uh, quality of life. And I can't remember the name of the book, but I'll see if I can find it. Yeah. And there's a, a sort of a uh, thing that people have come up with that is basically a six-step uh, way to go about solving uh, future problems. Okay. So let's, for example, take one that has uh, been all over the news for the last uh, two, three years, Uh, global warming. Okay, yeah. I could have picked any one of them, but uh, that's just one that our listeners are likely to be uh, familiar with. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to attack this as as a future problem, the first thing we have to do is to define the problem. Sure, makes sense. Now that that seems pretty uh, pretty simple. Uh, problem is that the world is warming, except you have uh, a lot of naysayers. You have a lot of people who have claimed that the world is in a natural cooling cycle and that. 
the fact that we see it as global warming is uh, only because, yes, we're putting up stuff that warms the globe, but that's counteracting the natural ice age. So, you know, one of the things that we have to do if we're going to define the problem is sort of agree on what the problem is. Okay. And having come to an agreement on what exactly uh, is the problem, then we need to create some models, some way of looking at the problem to um, look at it from a variety of perspectives. Okay. Now, let me give you an, an operational uh, way to think about that, Jim. So right at the moment, um, we have people on one side of the issue uh, who are saying we absolutely have to eliminate fossil fuels from the way we operate on the face of the globe. Right. We've got to go to completely um, recyclable, uh, easy Renewable. on wind, solar, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one way of looking at it. Now, another way of looking at it is to say, you know, uh, it's now 2020. They're saying we will be completely uh, in... Um, what I'm going to call soft power generation, that is to say non-polluting power generation, by 2050. That's 30 years. Yeah, right. Uh, can we get there from here realistically in 30 years? Do we have 30 years? I, I don't know the answers to these questions, Jim. I'm just saying, you know, that's something that we have to look at from a variety of perspectives. Right. And so if we wait um, to the 29th year to solve the problem, um, hey, that might be too late, right? Right. And if we don't, if we start to solve the problem now and we're going to say, okay, absolutely draconially, we will be out of fossil fuel generation for all of our power by 2025, which some people have suggested, mm -hmm. it's not going to work. I mean, you can't get from here to there that fast. Yeah, right. Unless there's a breakthrough and we suddenly come up with a new way of generating power, which is always possible, but mm -hmm. doesn't seem very likely. So one of the things that we've got to do then is to evaluate our models from a perspective of analysis, statistical analysis, or other types of really uh, engineering analysis. What is feasible? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what is doable? No question. And then having done that, we've got to uh, develop strategies or long-term goals to fix the problem. Yep. And part of the problem, as I see it right now, Jim, is that we don't have a lot of agreed-upon long-term goals. So, I think that's correct. You know, that's, that's what I see, at least. You know, 
So we're not we're not all pulling in the same harness in the same direction. Right. Now, once we do get some strategies that we can agree on, then we have to assess them. Are they working as intended? Mm-hmm. If they are, then we keep on doing them. If they're not, we have to reevaluate and modify our strategies to see if new data that we've gathered through reevaluation, see if it helps. Yeah, right. Now, now, part of the problem when we do that is we don't have a real good handle in future problem solving in how to determine the length of time a strategy is needed to be applied to solve whatever the problem is. Yep. So, you know, is this a solution for 30 years? It is, is it a solution for 10 years? Is it a solution for 100 years? And so far, there doesn't seem to be any consistent agreement on a number of factors in that, that list of six that I, I just went through. Gotcha. Okay. So we... You know, you've, you've given us some, some things to think about, Ralph, and, and uh, last week we talked about uh, how schools don't necessarily, um, uh, what would be the word, support um, uh, alternative ways of thinking and even questioning. I, some of my the students I've talked to say that if you raise questions in school today, you're... you're uh, suspect or, or you're uh, perhaps told that it's you know politically un, you know, non-correct um, but you know there are people who actually um, think about these things you know we call them futurists um, they they have these scenarios about what kinds of things could happen in the future uh, and uh, they they talk about various strategies to keep uh, catastrophic things from uh, occurring. As I said last week, maybe we have some difficulty selling our ideas if we can come up with, with some good ideas. And that's something that um, uh, Paul Torrance, who is the, the father of um, creativity here in the United States, um, uh, would, I think, endorse. Back in the 1970s, 1974, he introduced a uh, uh, competition similar to the one that we looked at last week. Remember, we looked at Odyssey of the Mind last week? Right. Yeah, well, his is called Future Problem Solving. Okay. Yeah, and what he was doing is setting up various kinds of problems for, for kids. Uh, I think initially it was in the high school level, but I think it went down the junior, the junior high level, and I can remember um, as being part of the the um, uh, Odyssey of the Mind group. Uh, we also, I also looked at uh, what Paul was doing with uh, future problem solving because he was further out than we were uh, with uh, Odyssey of the Mind. By by out, further out, he was looking at problems that were maybe. 10, 15, 20 years in in the future. And I can remember that some of the problems that he came up with 
were um, uh, UFOs, problems with uh, ocean communities, um, nuclear disarmament, genetic engineering. You mentioned uh, um, uh, artificial intelligence. He'd probably endorse that one, you know, also. And his yeah, and his, he was uh, one of the people who was the one of the first people to think about uh, arcologies, which is basically uh, the idea of a closed colony that uh, can do everything for itself. Mm-hmm. And they built they built a number of those at one point, and uh, kind of discovered that. You know, in theory, it was easy to do, but in practice, it turned out that um, the idea of having uh, a completely climate-controlled artificial environment that raised all of its own food and took care of its own, all its own pollution by uh, recycling things into ponds and so on and so forth was a lot harder to manage in reality than it was in somebody's idea. Yeah, but the thing is, it's great to have ideas. Remember what Edison said. You know, how do you, yeah. how do you, you know, how do you get so many uh, great ideas? He says, I have a lot of ideas, and I just keep the good ones. So yeah, and he's also the guy who said, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I now know uh, nine thousand nine hundred ninety-eight uh, ways not to make a light bulb. Right, right. Um, so, okay, we're we're training kids now. We're teaching kids to uh, at least engage in this um, what call it long distance or or future problem solving. And um, uh, what's happened to this program? It started in 1974. Well, I can tell you, it is alive and well. And there are people in every state of the union, including Michigan, where we live, and on in almost every country that are going through the the uh, what would you call it the, the the steps at least of identifying problems and attempting to come up with solutions. And uh, I don't know. This is very poorly stated, Ralph. But I think uh, if we had a few uh, future problem solver graduates in the Senate or the House of the United States, that would be a good thing. I know. You know, uh, that that is, uh, I think, a a good thought, Jim, because I think there are, uh, unfortunately, uh, there are lots of people in both the House and the Senate who uh, are more concerned with uh, getting reelected, which means getting money, which means uh, I've got to find an interest group who will help me out here. Uh, and, you know, not to, uh, not to carp about our elected officials, but I think some of the time they lose sight of why we sent them there. Yeah. <laughs> good, good point, Ralph. Uh, we'll probably get a lot of people calling in on that one, right? <laughs> okay. So um what I've done Ralph in the in the uh uh learn more section uh I put up the um uh, interview not an interview the graduation speech from uh, 2005 that Steve Jobs did for Stanford and 
in it, you know, he talked a lot about um, some of the, the mishaps in his life that have uh, actually turned out to be um, to be blessings. And I also put up a uh, one on uh, uh, future problem solving, uh, and then another on the secrets of uh, creative problem solving. So, you know, our our listeners have got a few uh, resources uh, that they can take a look at. And uh, you and your uh, section, the very first section there, sent me the um, uh, link for the uh, Michigan Future Problem Solving uh, uh, website. And I put that up as well. And you can go from there. If you click on the menu, you'll see lots and lots and lots of different kinds of things talking about the problems that we that we uh, are solving this year and uh, uh, in you know, years past. So do you have some examples of some of those problems, Ralph? Um, no, actually, off the top of my head, I don't, Jim. Uh, okay. the, uh, how about you? Uh, do you... Uh, no. I think our listeners are going to have to go and click on the the link, and then when you go down from the menu thing there, and it uh, gives you um, some examples of what the uh, problems for this year uh, are, and the ones that have been uh, problems in the past. So, you know, they, it's kind of interesting. You might say, you might think that uh, this might depress people, and Paul Torrance was uh, asked about that. He said, well, if it seems like kids are getting overwhelmed thinking about, you know, potential problems, you know, that, uh, that give them something uh, uh, to say good, uh, something fun to think about, you know, i.e. designing a uh, um, playground, uh, one of my one of my uh, clients presented uh, a uh, thing to the board of education about how to improve the um, uh, campus of his high school. Um, so, you know, we don't have to always go with uh, you know something that's uh, uh, what uh, dystrophic and you know forty miles or forty years in advance. So you can just ask ourselves, you know. How can we uh, get better recycling and and Mount Pleasant Metro? You know, yeah. So. Uh, and, you know, often, Jim, I think uh, people end up thinking to themselves, I can't solve this. It's too big a problem. And so they end up not looking at small local problems that they can help solve, you know, and so, yeah, maybe uh, maybe you and I are not going to solve global warming while we sit and chat with our listeners, but uh, we can we can attack something local and maybe have a much better chance of success. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the things that uh, future problem solving really. Um, uses as a technique is the technique of brainstorming. Now, we're almost done for uh, today, but uh, shall we take a look at brainstorming next week? 
Yeah, that would be a good one because I think there are several uh, parameters to brainstorming that uh, are worth talking about. Okay. Well, take a look, um, listeners, at uh, Learn More. There's some interesting things there, including that Steve Jobs graduation speech. Um, he, uh, he it was done in 2005, and he died, sh- you know, shortly after. He had a had a, a short short life. But it's interesting, Ralph, that this week President Biden awarded him uh, posthumously the highest civilian uh, honor uh, that our nation has, the uh, honor of uh, Medal of Freedom. And so, you know, he's he's seen as an important contributor to uh, to our society, Ian Apple. You know, it's it's interesting, Jim, too, that in that speech, uh, he talked about events that had happened in his life that somebody other than a person like Steve Jobs could have said, uh, terrible, horrible. How can I go on from here? But right. he was managed, managed to use that as a springboard to even better things. Mm-hmm. So the the uh, the positive aspects of adversity. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll take a look at uh, uh, brainstorming uh, next week, and maybe we'll st- talk a little bit more about. Uh, Steve Jobs. The the one I put up, uh, he starts by saying, I'm going to tell you three stories. That's his graduation speech. And it's very powerful. So, until next week, this is Jim. And Ralph. And we are signing off by saying, keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this Together. together.